Good morning. It's good to see you. Glad that you're here. Are you glad to be here? Love, it's good to sing about Jesus, isn't it? Yeah? Okay, I'm just, I'm just checking. Uh, I'm going to dive in this morning. If you have taken a newcomer's class here uh, since I've been teaching it here at Faith Baptist, this should sound somewhat familiar. If you haven't, uh, that's why I'm going to kind of circle the wagons right now as a church for the next few weeks and uh, make sure that we are on mission for God. So title of this morning's message is, Will You Accept This Mission? I want you to ask yourself that question throughout this sermon. Will you accept this mission. Have you ever heard someone make the statement, I don't talk about religion or politics, right? Anybody heard that? I grew up in a home where that was preached to me. We don't talk religion or politics here. I'm thinking, oh, are you, really? As I got older. Uh, what about this one? It doesn't matter what church you go to as long as you're going to church somewhere, right? Anybody heard that one? Maybe you said that to someone or uh, been down that road. I want you to know this, uh, even today, I can add to that today, uh, man, I don't talk COVID, mask, or social distancing, amen? I mean, y'all, we, the day and age we live in, seems like the conversations always go there right now. See, even, even these, these topics, the reason we don't go there is they can cause friction. They can cause some uncomfortableness amongst people. They cause disagreement. Uh, they cause some problems sometimes in family or friendships, uh, even where we are today, right? Uh, so we don't talk about them much, and that's why we go there and say we don't talk about those things, or it really doesn't matter as long as you're going somewhere. Turn with me to John chapter 3 today. John chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I'm going to ask us a question this morning that I want us to think about. The question is this, what is the most important thing when it comes to the church body? What is the most important thing when it comes to the church body? I think if we were to poll everyone here today and those listening online, and, and I appreciate those listening and watching today, uh, we would get many different answers to that question. I really think there would be. There would be, well, it's the unity of the body of Christ, right? It's the most important thing. Uh, the fellowship of the body of Christ, or maybe as a church, loving one another. Uh, all those are good answers. All those are, are solid answers. But I still have the question, is that the most important thing when it comes to a church and a church body? What is the most important thing? The reality is, it should be an easy answer for us. It really should. I know some will want to debate my answer when we get there. So let me, let me answer that question with a, a couple other questions, because I like to do that. Is there something that God the Father thought was so important? Is there something that God the Father looked down on this mud ball, sin-infested people, and said, there is something so important that only my son can go and take care of that problem, that difficulty, that well, what's going on there? Is there something, one thing that God the Father saw that he thought only my son can go and take care of that? And the answer is yes. God the Father saw the people that he created, and he saw the sin that we had committed against him, and he said there's only one thing that can take care of their sin problem. There's only one thing. One reason that he asked his son to come down to this earth to take care of it. So what did he do? Well, in John chapter 3, uh, let's just get caught up real quick. There's a Pharisee, a religious leader of the day. His name's Nicodemus. And Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night one time, and he asks Jesus a question. And the question that Nicodemus asks, Jesus answers him, 
and, and Nicodemus doesn't understand the answer. So they get into this conversation. And in that conversation, in verse 10, if you look there real quick, I don't have that uh, on your notes, but I said 11. But Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Nicodemus was as religious as they come. Nicodemus knew the word of God at that time. Nicodemus understood God's commandments and God's laws and God's statutes. Nicodemus knew, and yet he asked Jesus a question about eternal life. He asked him about the kingdom of God, and Jesus looked at him and said, I marvel, right? It astonishes me that you, as a teacher of God's people, don't understand these things. And look at verse 11. It said, most assuredly, I say to you, Jesus speaking here, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. Jesus looks at Nicodemus and he says, you've heard my teaching. You've, you've, you've heard of our witness, even the disciples around me, their witness of what is happening and going on, and you still don't believe. And he goes on there and he says, if I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then probably the most famous verse in the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. Now, let me do this if you'll allow me to, which I'm going to anyway, so thank you for allowing me to. Let's go back to John 3:16. Let's take some of these pronouns out. Let's put the proper names back in there. And then let's also talk about the God. We believe there's God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. That's scriptural. It's right. So let's break that down real quick. Look at John 3:16 again. It says, for God, oh, what's it mean there? For God the Father so loved the world that he, God the Father, gave his only begotten son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. For God the Father did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus might be saved. He who believes in Jesus is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God the Father sent his Son to accomplish one task and one task alone. It was that important that he sent his son. Now get this. He didn't send an angel to take care of the sin problem. He didn't ask a man to take care of the sin problem. He had to ask his only begotten Son of God. Jesus was the only one who could take care of our sin problem. Was there a problem so big, so huge, so massive, that only the Son of God could take care of it? And the answer is yes. And that leads me to another question. Was there something so important that Jesus, the Son of God, left heaven to come and take care of it? 
And the answer to that is yes. He saw the sin problem just like the father did. He saw the, the, their creation, their mankind, who, who they said don't, and we did, and we sinned against him. There was a sin problem. And Jesus saw it just like God the Father saw it. And God the Father said, Son, will you go and take care of this sin problem? And God the Son said, Yes, I will. He didn't have to say yes. He chose to. He left his place in heaven to come and take care of our sin problem. Jesus said this in Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? Us. Lost to our sin. Condemned by our sin. He put it this way in, in Matthew 27 when Pilate asked him, oh, actually, he told the disciples to look to, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat. I just skipped verses on you there, so I'm sorry. Let me go back here. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he declared, right, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And he told his disciples in Luke 2, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. When Pilate asked Jesus, right before he was crucified, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus looked at him and said, it is as you say. After living a sinless life, so he could offer himself as a sinless sacrifice from the cross where he was crucified, Jesus cried out from the cross. It says he cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up the spirit. Get this. Nobody took Jesus' life. The Roman centurions didn't take his life. The Roman guards didn't take his life. Pilate didn't take his life. Our sin cost Jesus his life by his own willful choice. We crucified him with our sin. Is there something so important that God the Father sent his only son to take care of? And is there something so important that God the Son came here to take care of? And folks, the answer is yes. It's the sin of the world. Your sin and mine. Matthew 28 tells us the good part of the story, right? That's a good part too. We don't like it, but that's a good part. But he says, now after the Sabbath, at the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Jesus had been crucified for our sin. He, he was laid in the tomb. He's been there for three days. They came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. The Son of God lived a sinless life, died the cruelest of death on the cross for your sin and mine, was laid in a borrowed tomb, and three days later he rose himself from the dead to conquer sin and hell and the grave. All of this so that we could have a relationship with God and one day spend eternity with him in a place called paradise or heaven. Jesus made it very clear to Thomas one day. One of the disciples walked up and he said, Lord, we don't know where you're going and we don't know how to get there. I mean, that's fair. Right? Jesus is teaching on, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And Thomas says, we, we don't know what you're talking about here. We don't know where you're going or how to get there. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, 
I am the way and the truth and the life. No man, no woman, no child, no teenager comes into the Father but through me. So let me go back to a question. What's the most important thing when it comes to a church? I'm going to say it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of the love of God. For God the Father so loved us, loved you, loved me, loved the world, that he sent his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Does every religion, does every church, does every belief system teach the same thing on how our sins are forgiven and how we can have a relationship established back with God and spend eternity in heaven one day? Does everybody teach the same thing? As much as we don't like it, the answer is no. So if you'll give me a little latitude... When I say this, I do not accept the statements, I don't want to talk about religion. Or the statement, it doesn't matter what church you go to as long as you go to church. It does matter, and we are going to talk about it. Those statements don't line up with Scripture. Really, they're weak and unbiblical statements because they go against our mission. They go against our purpose as God's people. We cannot accept those statements. We cannot live in fear of offending because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God the Father did not send his son, and Jesus did not come as a sacrifice to save us from our sins so people could say, well, I don't talk about that. Well, okay, I won't either. We have a mission from God. Then we have a purpose and a reason of why we're here, and it rises above everything else. At least it should. If different belief systems teach different things concerning the salvation of souls from hell and spending eternity in the presence of God in heaven, then it does matter what church we tend. It does matter what teaching we sit under. It matters all day long. It could matter for eternity. It does matter what we teach. It does matter what we preach concerning salvation. It does matter whether we're on mission fulfilling our purpose from God. It does matter if we keep the most important thing, the most important thing as a church when it comes to who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing it. Is there one thing the church should keep above everything else? And I stand here today to proclaim to you, yes. And it's the teaching and the preaching of the true, non-watered-down, biblical message of God, and that is Jesus saves. I want to remind us as a church today, maybe inform some of you here today, what our mission and purpose is here at Faith Baptist Church. I know we're living in a weird and unusual and crazy and difficult time right now, but let me tell you, our mission and our purpose has not changed. I understand the the difficulties of the time, and COVID-19 and coronavirus tend to be almost come up in every conversation, and and whether the schools are going to open or not, and whether the restaurants are having a dine-in or not, or we're putting bands on. I understand all of that, and I'm like you. I'm at the verge of throwing up over all of it. How about you? 
And every time it comes up, I just wanted to, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. But here's the thing, folks, it's the day and age we live in. But so many of God's people today, that is the jest or the fullness of the conversation. We're not looking for ways to get the gospel in there. We're not looking for ways to tell people about Jesus. We're not looking for ways for these people who are living in, in true and honest fear and dread of this disease, of this virus, of what they're calling a pandemic. People are truly afraid of this thing. And as God's people, hopefully you're like me, I'm not to an extent, I'll do my part. I don't want it, but yet I'll do my part. But I'm not living in fear because I know Jesus Christ is my savior. And so many times we forget, we forget that person at work, the fear they're living in, the dread they have. The fear they have. I remember as a teenager, I grew up on 2204 Clayton over here. And I remember that dread and that fear of not knowing. I remember what it was like. And I grew up in this town. And until I was almost 17, I never heard a clear presentation of who Jesus was and what he had done for me. Here's my fear, myself included, that we've got so caught up in what's going on in our world, we become so worldly-minded we're no earthly good. And we become so worldly-minded we're absolutely no heavenly good. We have one mission and one purpose for being here. Ultimately, It's to be who God's called us to be. Our mission as a church is to begin, build, and broaden relationship with God and others. To begin, build, and broaden a relationship with God and others. That is our mission. We get that from the Great Commission, Matthew 28, and we get it from the Great Commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Upon these fall the whole law. That's where that mission statement comes from comes from the word of God. Faith Baptist Church, are we on mission? Are we looking for ways to help others begin a relationship with God, to build their relationship with God, to broaden their relationship with God? Are we so caught up in our own lives, in our own fears, in our own selfishness, in our own dread of what other people are going to think if I tell them about Jesus? Have we been so caught up for years in our own problems and our own troubles that we are not even on mission for God? To help others begin building, broaden their relationship with God and others. Are we so selfish? I know Christ. I'm going to heaven one day. I have a relationship with God. I'm good. I don't fear this. What about those that don't have that? We get this mission from God. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's a pretty good message, isn't it? No, it's a great message. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Jesus is the only salvation for men, women, students, and kids. Jesus alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes in the Father through him. I don't care what anybody else teaches, what anybody else preaches. It's Jesus alone who saves. Are we on mission with that message? And our purpose as a church is to take people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That is our purpose. 
In order to fulfill our mission, we must understand our purpose. Our purpose is to love people right where they are, right where we are, right? I don't need to know more scripture. I don't need to study more scripture to love people right where they are, to be concerned about them being where God wants them to be and God using me to help get them there. I don't have all the answers. You don't have all the answers, but I do have the answer and it's Jesus. And every one of us can share that. Every one of us that know Christ as Savior can share what he has done for us. The hope that lives within us. Why they don't have to live in fear anymore. They want to talk about end time. I don't want to go there. Do you know Jesus? They want to talk about who the church is, what we are or are not doing. I don't want to go there. I want to talk about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? Once we establish that, then we can go down some other roads and study it together. But do you know Jesus? as your Lord and Savior. How many conversations did we have this past week where the gospel was included? Are we on mission? Are we fulfilling the purpose of why God has us here? We're to love people enough to not let them stay where they are. We're to love people enough to not stay where we are either. Our mission and our purpose come from God. Our mission and our purpose do not come from our civil authorities. They do not come from our governing authorities. They do not come from our legislators. They do not come from our governor. And they do not come from the president of the United States. Our mission and our purpose comes from our God and his word. And our mission and purpose doesn't change because God doesn't change. And God's word doesn't change. So our mission and purpose doesn't change. There are kings and rulers in the history of mankind who have made statutes and edicts and creeds and laws and rules. And when God's people kept God as the priority, they stayed on mission for God. They kept God's statutes and God's commandments above any king or any ruler. When they did that, God blessed them. They impacted their world for the kingdom of God. But when God's people gave in and they allowed the laws of the land to override God's priority in their life, sin always followed. Always. When God's people succumbed to peer pressure, when God's people gave in to uh, man's laws or man's rules over the word of God, over God's mission, over God's purpose for them, Sin always followed. And not just on them. Many, many times it followed on their kids and their grandkids and their great-grandkids. Right? An example would be God's people spent 400 years in slavery because of the sin of one generation. They chose to dishonor God. They chose to not live for God. They chose to not be on mission for God. They chose to live worldly lives. They chose to, to live for the king of this earth instead of the king of heaven. 400 years of captivity because of that sin. We have a mission from God to begin to build and broaden a relationship with God and others. We have a purpose for being here. That's to help take people from where they are to where God wants them to be. 
So what's the most important thing that we can be teaching and preaching here at Faith Baptist Church? The most important thing we can teach or preach is the most important thing to God. You agree with that? And the most important thing to God is the salvation of men, women, students, and kids. That is the most important thing. I'm not saying there aren't other important things. I'm saying the most important thing. Every one of us is created in the image of God. We're body, soul, and spirit. Now hear me today. This body is going to die. Every one of us are going to die. And when we die, we're going to spend eternity in one of two places. We're going to spend eternity... In a place called paradise, a place called heaven, a place with no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying. None of those things are all passed away. It's a place in the presence of God. Or we're going to spend eternity in a place, the Bible says, a place called hell, or later on describes it as a lake of fire. A lake of fire. Our message is so important. If you're here today and, and you don't know where you're going, you need to take care of that. You need to take care of that. But folks, for us as God's people, there are so many people we cross weekly, daily, who don't know that. My fear is this, that we have been living as God's people, and we're so comfortable, and we're so lukewarm, and everything's okay, that we really don't get the gospel message in anymore. I mean, we, we, we have some people to go out, who are people who visit our church. These are easy visits. People have been here. We just want to go say, hey, we're glad you came. Can we visit with you? Can we talk to you? Can we tell you about who we are? These are easy visits, and we got four or five that are willing to do that. Makes me wonder how, many, how much is happening. We encourage you every week to invite somebody to come with you so they can hear the message of Jesus Christ. How many did you invite this week? We're so caught up in the world. We're off mission at times and we're not fulfilling God's purpose for us. We're created in the image of God and our soul and our spirit are going to spend eternity somewhere. So is your mom and your dads and your, your kids and, and your neighbor and your, that coworker. Everyone has a soul and a spirit that's going to spend eternity somewhere. Do we care? Are we concerned about that? See, this is why God had Paul write to Timothy and tell him this. But you must continue. Listen to that. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from who you learned them, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Wise for what? For salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. The greatest message we have, the greatest thing we can proclaim. Amen. Paul is encouraging Timothy, you learned this as a child. You need to stay on track. You have to stay on mission. You have to fulfill the purpose of why you're here. What is that? It's making people wise to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. That's it. 1 Peter says this, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And I think that's part of the problem, for me at least. And always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So again, as God's people, will we accept this mission from God? 
Will we strive to begin and build and broaden a relationship with God and with others? Will we strive to be on purpose for God, taking people from where they are to where God wants them to be? And listen, I know this in the feel-good message. It's not meant to be. This is serious. We have a serious mission from God, and that is to fulfill his mission and purpose for us. God wants us to know what his mission is for us, and he wants us to know what his purpose is. And we know, will we, Faith Baptist Church, accept this mission from God? Will we live lives on purpose for him? Because it is the most important thing we can do. Again, I fear, folks, that many of us have been saved so long that we've forgotten what it's like to fear death. I fear we've forgotten what it's like to pillow our head at night and wonder what's going to happen when we die. I fear that we have been saved so long that we've allowed worldly things to become priority to us and not the mission and the purpose of what God has us here for. Now the test for you and for me is this. In my conversations this past week, in your conversations, did we look for the opportunity to share Jesus? Did we look for the opportunity to help begin, build, and broaden a relationship with God and others? Did we look for opportunities to, to, to increase that relationship, to, to, to pass or share the hope that we have? Did we look for opportunities to take someone from where they are to maybe that next step to where God wants them to be? Or did we go a whole week living our own mission? our own selfish life, worried more about fear. And, and, and people aren't seeing any different in us than in those who don't know Christ. Faith Baptist Church, will you accept this mission? We need an altar full of God's people on our knees repenting to God. See, being on mission for God and fulfilling his purpose begins with crying out with the psalmist, David. It says, God created me a clean heart. We've all sinned. We're all guilty. And this altar needs to be full, led by your pastor of God's people repenting and getting back on mission, fulfilling the purpose of why we're here. Now, if you're listening to this today and you're not sure what will happen when you die, please hear me. Hear this today. Everybody look at me today. Hear this today. If you don't know what's going to happen when you die, listen, there is a place called heaven that you can know you'll spend eternity in. But there's also a place called hell, a lake of fire that you will go to if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the truth of the Word of God. That's the, the message of the Word of God. That's what God the Father sent his son to do was to die for your sins, to pay the price for your sin, but you have to accept that. That's why God the Son came, was to pay the price for your sin, but you have to accept it. You may say, well, Robbie, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to, to, to have more in my life. The good outweigh the bad. Let me tell you something. That's not scriptural. That won't get you to heaven. You could be the best person to ever live this world has ever seen and still die and go to a place called hell. For this reason. Because Romans 3.10 says, there is none righteous. No, not one. Isaiah puts it this way. 
your righteousness, my righteousness, that's as filthy rags to God. We cannot be good enough to earn our way to heaven. If we could, then why did Jesus, the Son of God, have to come die for our sins? There is none righteous. No, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's you and that's me. For all have sinned and come short of the glory. Your goodness is not good enough to get you into heaven or have you avoid hell. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, what happened? Jesus Christ died for us. Your goodness is not good enough. That, that co-worker's goodness is not good enough. They may be going and attending a place that doesn't preach and teach the true gospel of Jesus Christ. You're the only truth they're going to hear. They're only going to hear it from you. Are you sharing it? But if you're here today, understand that, that our righteousness is not good enough. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God loved us so much that he demonstrated that love toward us. Like Jesus Christ died for our sins. But understand, the wages of sin is death. That's a spiritual death. If we don't accept Christ, the wages of that sin, the cost of that, of not accepting Christ, is eternity in a place called a lake of fire. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One or the other. It's our choice to make. Say, what do I do? How do I, how do I make that decision? How do I get there? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from your sin. Saved from the cost of your sin. Your sins past, present, and future. All give, all paid for on the cross. If you'll just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it goes on to say, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the truth of the gospel of Jesus. You say, well, Robbie, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. I don't, and you don't know what I've done and where I've been. And Jesus saved me. Because Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Put your name there. If you'll call on the name of the Lord, believe he'll save you from your sin. So would you bow your heads with me, please? Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask every believer here, everyone who knows Christ as Savior, there's no doubt in your mind, every one of you, to pray right now for those that may be hearing this and lost. But you're hearing this and you're hearing this message and you're here at church today and, and you know the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. You know that you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, but you want to know him. You're longing to know him. You, you want to take that step with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to help you with that. That's why we're here. We want to help you go from where you are to where God wants you to be, and that's knowing Christ as Savior. So I, I can only do that if you'll acknowledge before God today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Say, Robbie, that's me. Lift your hand up real quick and hold it up for me. Robbie, that is me. Thank you for that hand right there. Anybody else? I don't know that I've ever done that. I've ever accepted Christ. Here, here's my hand, Robbie. I'm acknowledging to God today that I don't know Christ as my Savior. Someone else, come on, just lift your hand up. Thank you for that hand right there. Somebody else, just lift your hand up. Keep it up so I can see it. Keep your hand up so I can see it. 
Somebody else today say, I, I, I need that step. I need to do it. I need to take it. Thank you for that. Somebody else. Say, Robbie, I, I don't know Jesus, and I need to. Can you help me? Somebody else, lift your hand up. Thank you for that hand. Parents, I'm going to tell you right now, there's kids' hands going up all over this auditorium. Somebody else, lift your hand up. Right. If you lifted your hand up, nobody else looking around, God's people are praying, would you look at me real quick? If you lifted your hand up, just look at me. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. Will you, will you allow me to help you today? Will you do that? Will you let me help you today? Here's what we're going to do. I believe with my heart the Faith Baptist Church is going to accept a mission once again today. Whether you've been on mission or not, you're going to accept it again today. And this altar is going to be full of God's people. On their knees before God saying, God created me a clean heart. I've let other things get in the way. Priorities have been off. I want to get back on track or I want to stay on track. But give me a clean heart before you. Help me to be on mission, fulfilling your purpose because it is the greatest thing we can do. I believe with all my heart because I know Faith Baptist Church, this altar is going to be full. If physically you can't make it to an altar, you're going to do it right where you are. But I need some of God's people to lead the way today. We need God's people down here on their face before God, crying out to God that, that, that we got a community to reach, that we've got family to reach, we have co-workers to reach. We need to be on mission for God. And I need God's people just to come down today to lead the way for these that need to meet me down front. If you lifted your hand up, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to meet me down front in just a second. And we want to take the word of God and show you how you can know that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Faith Baptist Church, will you accept this mission? And if you lifted your hand up, would you meet me down front? Father, we come, and as people are already coming to this altar, let us cry out to you as your people. Let us surrender ourselves. May we repent of worldliness in our lives, of, of letting other things come in front of the most important thing, and that is the gospel of Jesus and, and the hope that lives within us and a hope that this world needs. So God, may we come down and, and present a clean heart before you cleanse us today. But God, also come and pray for our moms and our dads and our, our family and our friends and our neighbors, our coworkers, that we would see ourselves helping them begin and build and broaden that relationship with you and with others and, and taking them from where they are to where God wants them to be. God, as your people today, may we repent and be on mission for you this week. So God, those that lifted their hands up, I pray that they would just meet me down here. And God, we could see their eternity changed forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Would you stand with me, please? If you want to make your way down to this altar, you just come down, whether it's a couple, there's a family, uh, individual, whatever it is, just come down to an altar and, and get on your face before God. I encourage you to do that. But if you lifted your hand up, would you come down front and just meet me at this time?